This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And a good morning to you, Charlie. And good morning to you, too. Well, here we are. warm, summery day. It's a beautiful day out there, and I can just imagine you're going to be suggesting all sorts of reasons for folks to get out and start digging around the garden. Well, at least get some of those weeds pulled if you can. I know it's dry, 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 a lot of drought going on. So, yeah, remember to water things that need to be watered, like... And edibles in the early morning best or mm, late later early in the morning evening, best yeah not in the high sun no not at high. all you're just wasting the water at noon yeah. it's evaporating and that's faster bad for the than... plants too it burns the plants doesn't it uh, if you get that's a great um, myth actually that oh, if you really? wet plants at high noon you'll burn them because I mean <clears throat> sometimes we do see evidence of little yellow spots yeah. after we've watered on a hot day but and we said the whole theory was that the sun is beating down onto those droplets of water Turning them into like miniature magnifying glasses right, and right. burning the tissue of the leaves. But I, I don't think it's that. It's actually, I think it's more of a hot, cold thing. So the leaves are really, really hot on the you know, hot uh-huh. day. You get out there with that cold water, start so splashing it around. Shock. Exactly. Oh. Yeah, because you know why we know it's not burning from those little miniature magnifying glasses? Because think about how many times it's poured rain <laughs> and you're outside <laughs> you and the sun comes out. Two seconds after the rain shower goes through, and everything's yeah. wet, and the sun is out, and nothing gets burned. So Mother Nature teaches us, hey, don't be stupid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's more the cold. Yeah. So yeah, avoid watering and getting, getting things wet at midday. It's just, oh. like I said, waste. A waste of water. Okay. Um, let me just quickly give the phone numbers That's here. That's right. You That's, do have a job. You, know, you folks want to get a hold of Charlie, by all, you need these. Um, in Toronto, call 416 416- Three six zero zero seven forty. Then anywhere in the province, it's toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. Our little mantra goes this way: Call early, call often. One question per caller. Patrolman Proctor pulls you over and gives you a ticket. <laughs> you got to be on and, the ball for this one. That's right. You know how sneaky some of these callers oh, can be. Oh <laughs> my gosh, they are getting good. They are. <laughs> um, and if you happen to be a first-time caller, please let Sebastian know and. That's what you'll hear before you hit the airwaves. Get your garden or wings. Or Faz. I think it's, we've got Faz it's on Faz the board. Faz on yep, the board yep, now? Yep, yep. Oh, how you doing, Faz? Yeah. yeah good. Yep. So let Faz know. All righty. Very uh, good. Well, that, my, my uh, little efforts are complete. job's done. You can go, <laughs> I can go sit back and back relax and now. curl up in the corner. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> okay, a couple things. One is, big thank you to Joan Love. She has sent a special perennial lobelia plant with mm-hmm. Frank to the studio for me. So thank you. I'm looking forward to putting that in my garden. Blue flowering. Just need a nice moist spot. I know Joan has irrigation, so she's got a pretty moist garden. Mine, not so much. So I'll have to find a nice low-lying area to tuck that in. Um, one more thing from last week. 
Jane phoned from Seagrave, and she was asking about St. John's wort, which is a plant, and the fact that the, there's beetles that eat, it, eat the St. John's wort, mm-hmm. which is chrysolina beetles. Okay? Turns out that, yes, indeed, these beetles were imported. They were imported specifically to eat St. John's wort because so much St. John's wort grows in um, pasture land, and grazing animals would chow down on the St. John's wort, and it has a lot of active ingredients in it that can actually be toxic at high levels. Oh, detrimental then. Yes, exactly. Uh, oh, oh no, it's, it yep. is a plant with very long history of medicinal uses, mm-hmm. so people do want to grow it and do various things, make tinctures and teas, etc., with St. John's wort, but it's very hard to do because, of course, these beetles arrive and they chow it all down. So it is, yeah, I didn't know that. It's a pretty interesting little story here. So <clears throat> the active ingredient that the animals were uh, having problems with is called hypericin. And so what do you do? Because unfortunately, as I noted here, the defoliation of the St. John's wort by the beetles is most severe in the week before flowering and continues during maximum bloom. So the time when the flowers are harvested for medicinal use. So there you are wanting to harvest. Meanwhile, the beetles are ahead of you and they're chewing the plant faster than you can harvest it. So... It's been considered a very successful program in the sense that the beetles are doing a fine job. But for those of you that want to actually grow St. John's wort and have issues with the beetles rolling in, you're going to have to use a protection device like a row cover, a floating row cover. So that's that really fine gauze, Mm -hmm. almost like a, a netting over the plants early in the season. Sun and moisture can get through, but, of course, beetles can't. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be, Jane, as far as I know, the only way you're going to successfully grow and harvest any St. John's wort. Okay. Right. Uh, did you have some notes you wanted to pass along there? Uh, um, always a few things going on. The annual Bob Cajun Horticultural Society's Garden Tour is today. It's a tour and tea. So lots going on in Bob Cajun. Tickets are available from all kinds of retailers. Look for information under www.bobcajunhorticulture.com. Uh, remember, Thursdays are the fun days at the Toronto Botanical Gardens. Every Thursday evening, all summer, uh, tons going on. There's food, drink, music, dance, Just, tours. Yeah, yeah, sounds great. Yeah, gift shop. It, and it's such a beautiful place to be. It's all outside, of course. So check out the TBG Thursday evenings. Um, this coming Thursday, it's all about flamenco music. All right. Dance and music. And, and when we step out of the studio today, we are going to be blasted with the sound oh. of the, the of cars sounds. going not too far from us, I the Honda Indy, of it's course. Uh, literally underway. in our yeah. backyard here. Yes. yes. It's loud and smelly. You got it. <laughs> all righty. Well, we'll be back in just moments here with uh, all sorts of wonderful calls, including one from Peter in Southampton. We're coming to you next. Peter, stand by. Uh, the Garden Show on Zoomer Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, according to my monitor here in the studio, uh, Cassie is on the line, but uh, where are you from, Cassie? Coburg. I'm from Coburg. Ah, oh, welcome to the okay. show. Good. Uh, good morning, Charlie and Frank. Uh, 
first of all, a ha- happy belated anniversary. Ah, thank you. Okay, I couldn't get through last time. <laughs> and Ten. Merry Christmas. Ah, there you are. <laughs> it's Ten about years my Christmas characters. Okay. It's full of blossoms. Oh, lovely. Now, what I like to know is... How do I keep the soil? Do I keep it moist and no. watered, and do I fertilize it now? Okay, so these are great questions, um, and it's funny that your Christmas cactus is blooming now. It's Just full of blossom. I counted at least 20. You know, it's Christmas in July sometimes. <laughs> yeah, right. There we are. So what? the bottom line is, no, you do not want to keep it moist, uh, but you don't want to let it dry out quite as much as we let it dry out when it's not blooming. So uh-huh. feel the soil. Um, wait until the surface of the soil starts to dry out. It'll still have a little bit of sponginess to the soil in the pot. Right. But it, so it won't be you know desert like conditions, uh-huh. but at the same time it will it will feel dry to the touch. That's the time to water. Well, I had I had it left dry and ignored it, and then the chipmunk started digging in it. So. Mm. Little Bums, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and in terms of fertilizing, yes. When a plant is flowering, it is what we would consider it's in an active growth phase, and fertilizer will support that active growth phase. Uh-huh. So it is, it's perfect to be fertilizing the Christmas cactus now because of the fact that it's flowering. Uh-huh. Once it's finished flowering, of course, no more fertilizer until you begin to see buds again. So that might be six months from now, might be a year from now, whenever that is. Consider fertilizing again then. But for now, do it for sure now. Right. Okay. Thank you very much. Oh, thanks for calling. And Merry Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Oh, hey, Sophie in Etobicoke. Welcome to the show. Uh, Good morning. Good morning. I have a question regarding red currant shrubs. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a few that are about five years old. Mm -hmm. And for the past couple of years, uh, lots of fruit every year. Um, The fruit falls off before it ripens, about 95% of it. What can I do to prevent it for next year, if anything? Well, you know, <clears throat> reminds me of sometimes, I don't think of current so much doing this, many of the fruit trees will do what's called self-pruning mm-hmm. <clears throat> because they set too much fruit and the plant can't actually support all that fruit and so plants will sometimes just drop unripe fruit and keep a smaller percentage and that of course will go on to be quite yummy and edible but I've never heard of currants doing that so that's a little different so the, the you see those unripe currants on the ground beneath the oh, shrub lots, lots. Mm. I like I cover it with some mesh um, for the, in case the birds get it but no birds we have lots of birds, but I mean, they don't just come near it. Yeah, and and you do get lots of fruit because um, cause you do need the insects to do the pollination. <clears throat> so when do you first cut co- you cover once you start to see the fruit? Or you cover- um, when I see it start to, starting fall, to fall off. Oh, okay. Like right on top. Right, and it's, not, it's a very light net. Very That's, light. It's very not light. causing any kind of stress no, on the plant? No, no. As, but it's actually sitting on the plant? Or uh, no, it's steaks. like my husband puts the stakes oh, okay. on top of it. It's elevated. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Well, you're going to have to leave that with me. Why? I, the, the only reason I can... And it's not <clears throat> lacking for moisture. It's getting enough sun. Definitely not. Lots of sun, lots yeah. of moisture. Um, and yeah, I mean, those are the important things. And uh, yeah, they, you need insect pollination, so you can't cover till the pollination occurs. Right. Then the covering is great because you protect from the birds. Right. Um, but why it would de de 
uh, I was going to say defoliate, defruit. I'm not sure. So uh, I'll have to get back to you on that one. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Okay, Sophie, that first mystery of the morning <clears throat> yes, to be solved you. by Detective... <laughs> Detective Dobbins, yes. she's on it. <laughs> on hey, the case. speaking of, but you know, this is a great little yeah. segue because I did receive an email from Cambridge, Ontario, and Dawson writes to say that she's been growing red currants for years and years, has had wonderful experience growing them, but suddenly in the last couple of years, the currants are disappearing. Before she can get oh, to them, wow. they're gone. And they're not dropping to the ground, like uh, Sophie so was just saying. Yeah. They're, they're ripening and everything's looking <clears throat> good. She goes to bed at night, wakes up the next morning, and they're stripped bare. My limited experience I did on this, or limited research, uh, it, she mentions it's definitely not deer doing it. Uh, it's blackbirds. Blackbirds oh, love really? red currants. I thought maybe she was looking at the next door neighbor. Yeah, who might yeah. come over. You never know. <laughs> no, yeah. Out there picking the currants in the <laughs> yeah, dark, yeah. right, with a little headlamp <laughs> on. Uh, it's blackbirds are sneaky little buggers, and they will at night <laughs> go in there and just strip your red currants. So, and if you're listening, consider doing what Sophie's husband set up for her, which is some stakes and some netting, and protect those currants from those birds. And you should have lots of fruit. Excellent. Okay, let me uh, repeat the phone numbers there. We've got a line open right now at 416-360-0740. That's in Toronto. And then anywhere in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Out to Austria, we go, Charlie. There's Philip on the line. Good morning, Philip. Good morning. You. Um, I just have a couple quick questions about, well... Flock, Actually, you're, you're flock, only, you, tall flock. Uh-huh. <laughs> we <laughs> have a lot of them. Um, they've done great for years. Occasionally, on some summers, powdery mildew. Mm-hmm. The last few years, though, they've been getting uh, yellowed, uh, spotty leaves, mm. stunted growth, uh, twisted leaves. Mm. I've found tiny little yellow things that hop <laughs> around. <laughs> yeah. I've found some spider mites. Mm-hmm. I, in the spring, I've turned all the soil over them, but hmm. and then sprayed them with you know soap with uh, soap with ammonia. Um, but it, nothing seems to work, and I, I even and it just seems to get worse every year. And strangely, I, I did transplant some to mm-hmm. somebody else's or to our church actually. Mm-hmm. And they're fine there. Yeah, I know. I was going to say, it's something. All right, so, uh, yes, all that twisted growth, the yellowing, a couple of things are going on. One is, before powdery mildew is evident to our eyes, which is that powder on the surface of the leaves, the precursor to that powdery look is all the spores arriving, doing their thing. We can't see this. It's all microscopic, but there will be those yellow spots. You will see yellow edges. You'll see twisting and gnarliness on the plants. And and that's just an indication that the powdery mildew is there and it's proceeding to germinate and to grow and devastate the plants. Now, most perennials, not all, but most perennials will really, really uh, do far better with some digging and some dividing. And that's what happened when you dug a chunk out, took I've it to the I've done it a lot, yeah, and really thinned them out so they're not touching okay, each other. good. And it only affects some. Yeah, some varieties but, but are... strangely, the powdery mildew, we've had it many, you know, many mm. times over the years, but it, nothing like this. It's just this devastating. Hmm. And you're not, these plants are not lacking for uh, water. Nope. Okay. And when you were doing this uh, sort of a certain amount of digging and dividing, were you supplementing the soil with some good organic material? Yes. Good. Yeah, I put compost on it all the time. Um, 
you know, I've tried, I wondered, because some of them, you know, they turn kind of yellowy, so mm-hmm. I tried, uh, um, you know, a f- liquid fertilizer. I think mm-hmm. maybe they're low in iron or something, and, and I don't know. It just seems to get bounce. worse every year. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Well, so, like there's many, many varieties of flocks in different colors, different heights. Yeah. Uh, some of the older varieties, ones that we've kind of passed down, you know, we got them from our moms and our grandmoms. Those older varieties are, you know, have been around forever, but they do tend to be um, very, very susceptible to some of the issues that flocks suffer from, like mildews. Well, strangely, so, they seem to be doing the best. Is that right? They yeah. They do variegated uh, ones, exactly. ones that are really suffering. Yeah, um, variegated will. Variegated, you've got to remember, any variegated plant is a selection for its ornamental value, and it's often not as tough as the original, and the originals obviously were green. So you think it's more a mildew likely than a uh, insects? More likely, yeah. Yep, is there anything you can do to... Other than aphids. Aphids, you can find them on any plant. No, is there anything you can do for... I don't have aphids, but no. is there anything you can do for mildew? It sounds like you've done a lot of the right things. You ensure that there's good air circulation, good sun. Obviously, you want ma- you know, minimum six hours of sunshine daily on those plants. Um, yep. air, spacing them out for that air and sun is important. Uh, there are some fungicides. Uh, garden sulfur, there's liquid sulfur, there's also copper sulfate in a powdered form that can be used as as a way to prevent the powdery mildew. You'll never eradicate the mildew, but you can prevent it by yeah, okay. using these things in advance of when you expect the mildew well, like to said, arrive. We had it many times in the past and yeah. it was sort of irritating and looked a little yeah. bit. Nothing like this. This just seems to devastate mm. them. They finally turn brown and some of the plants have actually disappeared. Yeah, they just get crispy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Um, okay, consider well, moving Taking some chunks early in the spring to other yeah. parts of the garden, maybe as a way to you know try and move them around a bit. Give well, that I have area done a break. That. Yeah. I don't know. It just seems nothing works. Oh my! Yeah, moving them to another yard, and I don't see what's wrong with this. Anyhow, okay. <laughs> no, I keep them well, on your you property. Kindly. Okay, Philip. Thank <laughs> you very right. much for joining us right, here so. on a good-looking, uh, even cloudy, but hey, it's still a good-looking day. It's a Saturday, yes, indeed. Oh, uh, out to Lindsay. There's Sandra on the line. Good morning, Sandra. Hi. Good morning. I ha- um, used to have an Italian bellflower mm-hmm. or Star of Bethlehem, mm-hmm. and I don't have it anymore, and I wondered if there was anywhere I could get it in the Lindsay-Peterborough area, or are there seeds? Uh, good question. Um, Tal- Italian bellflower or Star of Bethlehem. Uh, I can do a quick uh, web search for you when we go to a commercial break and let you know if I can see anything. Okay, I just didn't know if there was seeds or not. I ha- I had my plant for about 20 years, and I just kind of lost it. Yeah, sometimes that happens. I mean, some plants last for hundreds of years, like peonies, for example, and other plants just start to dwindle down and shrivel up and, and don't come back. Uh, well, this delphiniums are a good example. is just beautiful, and I'm, I'd really like to get it again, but I didn't know... Yeah. Well, let me see what I can what I can find out that might be available in the Lindsay area. Okay, thank you. All right, thanks All for your call. Thank you very much. Just going back to uh, uh, Philip, uh, I, I know yes. that he had a second question on his mind. You can always call back, Philip, okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, know. I think his real question is, how come my flocks are deteriorating? They're worse yeah, every yeah. year. <clears throat> but he had another question that I think he you wanted think? to get in there. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, he said, I've got a couple of questions. Oh, so I, yeah. Ooh, I, I hopped off my uh, my motorcycle. Yeah, I was, gonna, was that a horse or a yeah, motorcycle? I had the ticket book right out there. <laughs> anyway, you can always call back. Now, uh, there's... What's the numbers? Uh, oh, the number. Let me give you those. Yeah, in Toronto, 416 
360-0740. And then anywhere in the province, toll free, 1-866-740-4740. Good morning, Gloria. <clears throat> Good morning. Hi, and, and Frank, hi. Mm. I've called before, and uh, today I have problems with my zinnias. I start zinnias from seed. Mm-hmm. It's a long process. I put them out in the garden, mm-hmm. and uh, I've used that formula for slugs to go around my uh, hostas, mm-hmm. and the slugs are now getting at my uh, zinnia flowers, and they're stripping them. So can I use that formula? Uh, okay, that was the formula, which was the, the ammonia. ammonia, but that's designed to go on the soil, I see. not on the foliage. And you can't put that around the, so- sure. the, uh, the zinnia on the soil? Yes, you could, but are you sure it's slugs that are, that are chowing down on your zinnias and not uh, earwigs? I, I think it is. I'm, I, I, I'm not positive, but uh, every one of them, it, it, it seems like it, it could be slugs. I don't know what else would uh, chew on the leaves. So and this is happening at night, so you're not seeing yes, it's anything. Yes, at night. Yeah. Well, just based on the fact that it's so dry. Okay, so we're into quite a droughty situation all across southern Ontario, and well, all across Ontario, mm-hmm. I think, is you know fire fires are burning, etc. Uh, this is not slug weather. <laughs> Remember last year when it rained and it rained, and I kept jokingly calling it the year of the slug because uh-huh. there were slugs and oh. snails everywhere yeah. last year, but the moisture levels were very high, which is the perfect environment. Environment for slugs and snails. Yeah, all this drought is not slug territory at all. Well, uh, I have a water system, and it comes on uh, very early in the morning. Good point. And uh, that's what's keeping my flowers alive. Right. <laughs> so you're right. So you're all the slugs and snails in all of Toronto are in your garden, probably, <laughs> <laughs> or anybody else's. Yeah. Yeah. Home for them. Yeah. Because <laughs> they heard there's irrigation <laughs> yeah. at your place. No, I've got good irrigation, and I even. A spray in the morning, I go around with my hose and <laughs> give them an extra dose. <laughs> okay. Well, so there's a thought. It, uh, don't be extra dosing anything. If you've got that irrigation system, just l- work with that. Don't be adding extra water. Okay. Um, if you think it's slugs and or snails, there is a bait, and you can get this at any garden center. You can get it at a Home Depot, Canadian Tire, and it's it's like a little package. It says right on it, slug and snail bait. Okay. And yeah. it, it is, there was one we used to use like 20 years ago that was quite a tar- Toxic bait and it was it was poisonous to birds, etc. Uh-huh. And that's all gone. That is no longer available. What is now available is a very effective bait, uh-huh. but it is made out of iron and um, iron and nitrogen. Oh, yeah. So what happens is is the slugs and snails think it's pretty yummy. They eat it. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a stomach poison. It doesn't kill them right away, uh-huh. so they don't die right where they eat it. They crawl away and die somewhere in the corner, so you uh-huh. don't see them. Uh-huh. And what doesn't get eaten will slowly but surely dissolve. Now that's where your irrigation is going to come on and cause this to all dissolve. Uh-huh. And once the bait dissolves, it actually feeds the plants because it, it is essential nutrient for the plant. So it has to be wet. Uh, well, no, it does. Once it's wet, it's no longer effective as a bait. Oh, it isn't. Yeah. So, oh. so your system is it's coming on what every second night, every third night. Uh, I'm. You should I think about that. Yeah. Yeah. So check what nights it's coming on, uh-huh. and and get that bait out. So say it comes on tonight. Say you're you're 
irrigation comes on Saturday nights. So tomorrow morning, you would, or afternoon when things are dry, mm-hmm. you would go out and sprinkle this bait around your edible plants, your hostas, your zinnias, whatever's getting chewed on. And that bait will be quite effective until the next time the irrigation comes on. Oh, boy. I'm going to have to call the gentleman that put it in for me to find out exactly... Yeah. Uh, yeah, what the schedule is. What, what time it... Well, I know it comes on in the very early in the morning, yeah. around 5 or 6. Yeah. 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 So if you... Yeah, call the gentleman and get him to come and give you some lessons on how to work the system, too, because it's yeah. very good and important to be able to run that yourself. Yeah, I thought that... Uh, you know, I have... I bought slug and... Um, uh, and... Uh, Snail, mm-hmm. it's granules. It's yellow. Is that oh, the yeah, one? Yeah, yep, that's true. I believe it is yellow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and I ha- sprinkled it around, but I thought you had to have it wet. So no. I will. Yeah. I'll figure what I can do. Yeah, <laughs> take a read on the package. It'll yeah. tell you that after a rain, you reapply because you don't want it, it wet. Is the slugs won't eat it? They won't eat it. Oh no. my gracious! That's well, that, I'm why glad you I'm called, spending Gordon. all this money for <laughs> doing it the wrong way. Okay, there you go. Good well, thing you called. Thank you for going. Thank yeah. you very much. <laughs> You're welcome. We're bumping up uh, to our our next break here, Charlie, and mm-hmm. we'll be back to talk to a gal. I haven't had uh, uh, words with uh, Siva for a long while. Oh my! We're nice to welcome her back to the show. So mm-hmm. that's coming up next on the Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All righty, uh, at uh, 945, let's say good morning to Siva. Hi, Siva, welcome back. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good morning. Good. Okay, I have in my garden what looks like locusts. It's a, a gray-looking bug. Mm-hmm. I want to know if they're good bugs or <laughs> bad bugs. They look like a locust? Yeah, it has. they have long wings, and they're in the shape of a locust. I always get them, but I don't know if they're good or bad. I don't want to kill them if they're good. Uh, so long, uh, and are they really, they're much smaller than a locust? They're smaller than locusts, but they have the same shape, wings, yeah, and, and the, the same back looking legs. head. Okay. Uh, are the wings really lacy, uh, see-through? Yes. Yeah, they're good. They're called lace wings. If you want to look it up, you can just look up lace wing, which is the name of that insect. And uh, I'm just bringing it up here quickly on my computer so Frank can see it. Oh, yeah, I think pretty. I think yeah. that that's what you have. See we if it is. We used to call them grasshoppers, but... Well, if it could be grasshoppers. Like, and certainly grasshoppers, locusts look a lot the same. Yeah. So if they are grasshoppers, they are chewing on your plants because they are completely herbaceous. They'll eat everything. They're herbivores. They'll, okay, they're the not color picky. is kind of gray-like. Yeah, so yeah. keep just watch them. You know yeah. what? When in doubt, watch them or... See if you can capture one and take a picture. Nice yeah. up close. What, what you do is you capture it in a jar, okay. stick it in the freezer. It'll become completely still if you freeze it. Then you take a nice close up picture, and then you can thaw it and let it go. But send me that picture, and I can tell you what it is. Okay, then. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, You're Eva. welcome. Hey, that's an interesting little project. Wow. I, yeah, you I want to do that? I didn't. I, chirogenics, or was it? Oh, you're right. Cryogenics. Cryogenics, yeah. Yeah, wow. well, that's, it takes a while to kill an insect in a freezer. I mean, you can do it. Most of them Mother will Nature die eventually. them all the time, right. Right, but they don't always freeze as adults. Like, yeah. different insects overwinter in different forms. They could be eggs that overwinter, could be larvae, could be, you know. Wow. 
whatever. So, but it's a great way to take a photograph. Yes, yeah, because exactly. you slow them right down. <laughs> when sure they're enough. cold, they aren't moving very fast. <laughs> okay, we better get to Beth, who is on the line. Where are you calling from, Beth? I'm po- calling from Guelph. Already, Ontario. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, nice uh, to hear your show every Saturday, Charlie and Frank. Nice. Well, First you. time caller. Oh, my goodness. I my goodness. Wait a minute. Frank's not paying attention. There we so are. <laughs> I have an elderberry tree. Mm-hmm. Yes. It might be a bush, but it's a mm-hmm. modern golden glow. Oh, nice, yep. About eight feet uh, tall, mm-hmm. um, seven feet wide, and the leaves are starting to turn black. Hmm. Has it ever done that before? No. So something's going on there. Um, black. I wonder why black. Now, it wouldn't have anything to do with lack of water, would it? I have been watering it. Mm-hmm. Uh, watering the soil as opposed yes. to the plant. Um, t- have you taken a really good look at, at, you know, under the leaves for any kind of insects or bumps? There's like a, a spider web type of a thing on one of the branches. Yeah, spiders in the garden actually can be very helpful, Like, but spi- spider mites can be very detrimental. You don't okay. see spider mites because they're so small, but you will see webbing on the underside of the leaves, okay. which is where they live. They suck juices from underneath. Um, so that's one of those things with a magnifying glass, you can see better, or with the sun behind, you can see webbing on the backs of leaves, then you would suspect something like spider mite. And the spider mites love the hot, dry weather, so it's highly likely that we will see some outbreaks of spider mite on some of our ornamental plants. Um, regular spiders, don't worry about them at all. They're wonderful. They, they catch all kinds of nasty insects, so we like garden spiders. So it becomes a real, yeah, bit of a puzzle for me to know for sure. Again, perhaps a photograph of, of these leaves, top and bottom, as focused and up close as you can get. Have okay. you got berries coming on the on the elderberry? No. So it didn't flower this year? No. Oh, okay. Hmm. And it has provided berries in the past? Yes, it has. Hmm. So something's going on now. Elderberry loves moisture. So uh, c- could just be having a, a tough time this year because of the dry conditions, perhaps? Okay. Last year, of course, it probably did very well. It liked all that moisture, I bet. Um, mm, so, yeah. yeah, it's one of those things. But, but, Beth, yeah, consider maybe sending a photograph or taking a, a piece of the plant into one of your local garden centers. You've got some very smart people there in the Guelph area who, yes. who might be able to provide a, a, a diagnosis with okay. a piece. Then, I'll plant. do that. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank Alrighty, you so much for let calling. Me, uh, let me give uh, Charlie's email uh, mm, so okay. he can accomplish that, okay? It's c.dobbin, D-O-B-B-I-N, at mzmedia.com. Okay? And uh, I'm sure that uh, that'll be a very interesting shot to to uh, have Charlie take a look at. Uh, we have to take another break here and uh, coming back to say hi to John in Markham here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, let's uh, head on out. Oh, sorry, you wanted to yeah, quickly mention before something. Before we go yep. anywhere. Uh, okay, so Sandra called from Lindsay, and she was sad that she had lost her Italian bellflower, also known as Star of Bethlehem. Uh-huh. 
Those are two common names. The proper name uh, that we are looking for, it's Campanula. All the bellflowers are Campanula. So C-A-M-P, as in Paul, A-N-U-L-A. Now, the species she's looking for is, and I hope you're listening because you're going to have to do this for yourself, Sandra. Uh, So Campanula, the species is called Isophila. So I-S as in Sam O, and then Phyla, P-H-Y-L-L-A. So Campanula, Isophila, you're right. There's not, I'm, I'm looking here, there's a lot of Campanulas for sale, but there's not a lot of that particular plant seeds mm. or plants for sale that I can see on a two-minute, three-minute search of the web. Yeah, you've but, been going at it pretty hot and heavy there. Yeah, so Nothing. Sandra, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw that back at you. There's your proper name, Campanula Isophila. That's what you're looking for, seeds of, and I'll let you source it out. All right. Okay, good there luck with go. that. Okay, um, uh, off to Markham. There's John. Good morning, John. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, how are you folks, okay? Good. Excellent. Expect more rain, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I saw the email uh, about uh, I like my plants bigger and better, but somehow I was interested in this note that apparently you can use Epsom salt on plants like rhododendrons and dahlias and actually all plants and all vegetables. But one tablespoon per gallon. Mm -hmm. Is that you ever heard of this before? I have heard of it. Um, I can tell you that. Do you have access to the internet? Yes. Okay. So the Epsom Salt Council is, uh, if you just Google Epsom Salt and go to it's, I think the website is epsomsalt.org. Org. Uh-huh. It's quite a good website. It tells you all the wonderful things that Epsom salts do. So yeah. you go to the gardening section and then it will actually list quantities of Epsom salt with with or without water on which plants. So um, many people it's not, sw- not just a regular Epsom salt use for my feet then. Yeah, same stuff it, that it you buy at Shoppers Drug Mart. Yep. Yeah, so, no, Epsom salts are quite magical that way, but what it is it's magnesium and sulfur. So it's uh, would I get bigger uh, flowers on my dahlias. Dahlias is my favorite flower. You might. It depends whether your soil is lacking in magnesium or yeah. sulfur, yeah. because that's what Epsom salts For are. For example, where I was born, uh, we call it uh, plate dahlias. Oh. Back in Holland. Oh, yeah. And, and oh, yeah. here we've got uh, sausage dahlias. That's right. Well, the dinner plate dahlias yeah. are the massive Huge. ones. Yes. All the big steaks required to hold them up, and you love them, do you? That's great. Yes. But is that because of the climate, I suppose? We don't get that here. Yes. I've seen them grow huge in Vancouver, but not here as much, no. So it's not, it's not my, my, maybe my soil is in the, uh, well, the moisture, in, the humidity. In Markham, you're in pure clay, so I hope that you've amended your I, soil a lot. Layout first. Good, yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, you so need there's to. nothing I can do right now, but try that, and I'd like to try that. Yeah, try that, but I think the Epsom salt is more of a spring or early summer amendment, okay. just to, to bang in that extra nutrient. But I should when, not bother right now. They I, haven't bloomed yet, so. Yeah, I would be careful of any fertilizing when it's this hot and this dry. I'm new, so I better ask you more questions. Next okay, <laughs> All right. absolutely. Thanks so much yeah. for calling. Thanks, Thanks a lot, for John. Your help. All right, our day. pleasure. Thanks for being with us here. Yeah, um, I like it when people aren't afraid to call. One we can kind of squeeze in yeah, all. think? Caroline in uh, uh, Hamilton. Sure. Caroline, Hi. good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Love your show. Thank you. Um, I uh, 
just I, I have to make it quick, but uh, some advice or um, some telling signs for Beth, who called in about her black leaves. Mm-hmm. I think it's possibly the uh, extreme heat and mm-hmm. sun, mm-hmm. because um, my Chrysula argentia, mm-hmm. or jade plant, uh, when they get too much sun, the leaves turn yellow, and they're yeah. of the succulent variety. Yes. So, uh, but my question is, I have a cucumber plant. I'm in an apartment. Mm-hmm. The plants are growing on a balcony in a pot mm-hmm. where they're protected. Mm-hmm. But um, again, the leaves mm-hmm. are, are going yellow to white, mm-hmm. and they're getting water and enough sun, probably too much heat. Mm-hmm. And um, I noticed three black spiders I've never seen before, like arthropods, mm-hmm. and they looked like spider mites. And I thought, maybe that's why my leaves are, t- the cucumber, their baby cucumbers are turning yellow, the leaves, mm. and turning to white and then going crispy. And so the, I planted the seedlings in April, on April 28th, mm-hmm. and the cucumbers, I don't know if it's me or the fertilizer, like it's, it's a pro-mix, for it's organic. Yeah, yeah. And um, it has fertilizer in it. Right, but uh, it's only it's a tiny... THA-297, yeah. uh, otherwise known as uh, Mycorrhizae glomus uh, intradeces. So um, I figured that would be okay, but the cucumbers are still very narrow, and they're not growing with water. Like, I don't know, it's my first time doing this. Yeah, so, so okay. We're getting so good question. Thanks for calling, Caroline. A um, couple of things: cucumbers are very susceptible to a beetle, so you have to be careful that you don't have any cucumber beetles anywhere early in the season, particularly on the plant. Cucumbers, because of the height of the plant, need quite a deep container. So I hope that you've got a container that's at least, you know, uh, two feet, even a deeper, uh, to get those roots down and mm-hmm. hold that moisture. Yep. And don't be afraid to fertilize, because you're right, promix potting soils come with a tiny bit of a charge, a nutrient charge, but do need to be fertilized as the season goes on. And we're at a racetrack. Yeah, son of a gun. Thanks, everybody. Wow. <laughs> See you all again <laughs> next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.